to the Sheep and Wolves podcast with your dad, Reno Van. G'day kids, it's February the 11th, 2021 and this is episode 24 entitled Get On Getting. There is noise in the background. Cat and dog are fighting. And a human is trying to intervene. Today's show is brought to you by No Budget Productions and Pure Rock and Roll by Alexander Nakarada. And also my friends at Sittler Grinding. Rick Sittler uses a big grinder to make all sorts of mulches, livestock bedding, and consequently biomass fuels that my customers can buy and use in their Hyzomat biomass boilers. Yay! If you think that wearing two face masks is a great idea and only wish you had thought of it yourself but realize you're just too stupid to come up with such brilliant ideas, you may be a leftist. Let's get into it, shall we? Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Let's start off. Hear, O sons, O or O children, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. We all know our earthly fathers have fallibilities, that they are not perfect, but they do have something that children do not, and that is life experience. That is having uh, gone through life trying and attempting different things, having successes and failures. And as in yesterday's podcast with regards to wisdom and understanding, if parents are on the right path in the fear of the Lord, and they are actively seeking to increase wisdom and understanding, the Lord will honor that and allow them to increase wisdom and understanding, which means they have a head start. They have a head start over children. Children do not acquire wisdom and understanding greater than that of their parents. But again, as the Bible also says, that people that are many years in age and or elderly are not necessarily wise or have understanding. That is true. And as a young person, you have to discern whether your parents or other adults have wisdom and understanding, but you yourself have to be in a position of having some wisdom and understanding to know if that's the case in others. And that takes some real experience. So children, hear the instructions of your father. They're not all bad. They're not all good. But God has placed fathers in the lives, you know, God has placed fathers over children. God has brought children into the world through fathers and mothers on purpose. He created the family structure. If you fight and turn your back on God's order for family and the family structure, you will suffer the consequences, not your parents. It'll hurt and break your parents' hearts, but it will be a detriment to you in your path for wisdom and understanding. 
And it also says, and give attention that you may gain understanding. So don't dismiss offhand everything that your parents say. Weigh them within your mind. Weigh them within your heart. Hear the instructions. Do they make sense? Are they reasonable? Can I execute them? If I put in a little extra effort, can I achieve it? Parents are smart enough to know, just like God is smart enough to know. Hey, you're a kid. Uh, let's go to the hospital and do open heart surgery. I don't think so. There's a few steps that I think we missed in between there. Listen to the instruction of your father. Your parents are going to give you instructions that are appropriate to your age and appropriate to your level of development so that there's challenges ahead of you and goals that you can accomplish. Listen to the instruction of your father. Accomplish those things and you will gain more wisdom and understanding. You will gain more self-confidence. You will gain knowledge in your mind about how to do things that you didn't know how before. And give attention that you may gain understanding. So just pay attention. Don't dismiss out of hand what your parents say because you have a rebellious spirit, because you don't like them for some reason. Too bad. There are very few, very few uh, teenagers that were ever really happy with their parents, ever, in the history of humanity. Sorry. In fact, I was always suspicious of teenagers that had these really good relationships with their parents. I was always very suspicious of that. I thought it was unnatural. <laughs> uh, but that's just me. Number two, for I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. So God, through the order of families, through godly fathers and godly mothers, to the best of their abilities, he has made it such that instruction flows down from your parents to children. So the Lord says that under, the, under your father, under your mother, I am giving you sound teaching. So do not abandon my instruction, right? If you turn your back on your parents, you turn your back on your opportunity for sound teaching and instruction. Verse three, when I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, I guess he was a spoiled kid. He was the only son. Either that or he saw himself as the only son. He's kind of like, he's kind of like my youngest son. He's the only son. <laughs> Oh, well, um, when I was, a, when I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast. My words, keep my commandments and live. So when the boy was young, when the child was young, dad said to the child, let your heart hold fast. My words meaning contemplate them deep within your being, deep within your soul, contemplate the words. God has put this ability to put a filter in us that allows us under normal circumstances to filter out the things that obviously are not good. Children are not dumb. They know how to filter out the things that, that is bad advice. In their spirits, they know when they're when they've been giving been given wrong instructions 
but when they've been given right instructions, it resonates with something that God put in them to hold on to. But you need to meditate on those things. You cannot dismiss them just out of hand. You need to let your heart hold fast my words. Your heart, your heart becomes a vault. You put those things in that vault and it will stay there. But you do it through commitment, through your will, and through humility. It happens. And it says, keep my commandments and live. You know, that seems maybe like, you know, oh, keep my commandments and live. Like, you know, what kind of commandments? You know, there's all different kinds of ways to live. You know, we see humans today who don't have much of a life, it seems. You know, maybe it appears that they're doing okay, that they're successful, but they're not living a joyous, happy, satisfied life. So when it says, keep my commandments and live, it's like, keep my commandments and live a good life. But it goes deeper than that. Keep my commandments and live. For a parent to say to the child, you know, the cliff's edge is dangerous. Do not go to the cliff's edge. The child goes to the cliff's edge, slips, falls, and dies. That's about as practical as it gets. Keep my commandments and live. But there's more to it than that. There are various ways of living life alive and feeling alive or living life and feeling dead, feeling dead to the world. Your parents can give you commandments, commandments. Your parents can give you commandments that help you live a life that's a little bit more free and unencumbered of the problems of this world, especially when you kind of delve into the scriptures and allow the Lord to change your heart. It's important. Number five, acquire wisdom with an exclamation. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. This is a parent yelling this into the face of a kid while shaking them by the shoulders. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. See, parents are smart enough to know that when they get to a certain age, they look back and go, wow, did I make a lot of mistakes? And I made a lot of mistakes because I was lacking wisdom and understanding. And so the very thing you want to shake into your kids is to say, acquire wisdom and understanding. So you don't do the same dumb things I did. And do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Again, do not reject offhand what your parents say just because of your attitude towards them. It will be to your detriment. Number six, do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. This is a love relationship that we should have with wisdom and understanding. Just like a husband should not forsake his wife because she in turn will guard him and his feelings and the things that are important to him. He does not forsake her and she in turn guards the things that are important to him. And as a team, they, they accomplish great things. And just like a husband should his wife love her and she will watch over you. She will watch over the things that are important to you that are important 
uh, the, the, the goals that you have are important for you and her and the family. What a great way to have a relationship with wisdom and understanding. Using marriage as a, um, as a metaphor, right? And lastly, it says the beginning of wisdom is, step one, acquire wisdom. And while you're out all while and while you're out doing all this acquiring of wisdom, get understanding while you're at it. I love it. The beginning of wisdom is step one: acquire wisdom. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. You want to acquire wisdom, then determine within yourself to acquire wisdom. And guess what? There's a benefit. While you're out there with all your acquiring, you're actually going to gain understanding on the journey beautiful symbiotic relationship between wisdom and understanding as you gain wisdom you will gain understanding it's fantastic we now move on to of the day quotes and audio clips um yeah okay we're approaching the first anniversary of lockdown let me make a uh, a grand general observation that I uh, touched on a week or so back on Rush, but I'd like to re-emphasize. As Sam Goldwyn would say, enough with the old cliches, bring me some new cliches. The two defeated Republican senators in Georgia, now forgotten, uh, had been told by Karl Rove or some such to repeat the phrase radical socialist agenda every 12 seconds when a microphone was shoved under their noses. Obviously, that didn't work because they're both now history in that very American sense of the phrase meaning total oblivion. But why would Karl Rove or whoever concocted the expression expect it to work? For the last year, the state has presumed the right to tell you whether you're free to open up your hair salon, whether you're free to go to church, whether you're free to leave the house, whether you're free to have Auntie Mabel over for Thanksgiving. Millions of red-blooded Americans each day stand in painted circles on the sidewalk for a cup of crappy burnt coffee from Starbucks. Given how we've lived the last year, why would you expect anyone to be scared by the words radical socialist now? Because all that's pretty radical, radical beyond the dreams of most socialist parties as they've existed in the Western world. For the past year, the government that has least intruded on your personal space, on your freedom of movement, freedom of association, freedom of religion, is the government of Sweden, which is a coalition of social democrats and greens. Meanwhile, if you talk to so-called conservatives in government, in the ministries of uh, Boris Johnson and Scott Morrison and Doug Ford in London and Canberra and Toronto, uh, they assure you that, yeah, 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 don't worry about all that uh, small government, uh, personal freedom, light regulatory touch, uh, all, all that stuff, uh, yeah, yeah, we still, we still believe all that, and we're going to get right back on it as soon as the COVID's cleared up, which is never going to happen by the metrics they've chosen. Here's a story from persecution.org. It, uh, it has to do with the Christians 
uh, suffering persecution around the world. Uh, this was a story out of Pakistan. So often we get reports of persecution or you read reports of persecution out in the news. It just starts with the bare facts and the who, the what, the where, standard journalism stuff. That's a shame because it misses the immense tragedy and the immense pain that comes from these attacks or these murders. Think about it. Each long imprisonment, each murder, there is a massive ring of grief and pain that radiates out in the community and among the loved ones. Back in 2015 in Pakistan, there was a series of church bombings and any number of them uh, and any number of them had been attacked. If you would read, if you would read the attacks, if you would read the attacks, uh, the English is bad here. It must be written by somebody who's Pakistani. If you read the attacks, you'd be, you'd be like, oh, here's how many were killed and here's how many were wounded. The government's still not stepping in, uh, stepping up and protecting the Christians. In one of these attacks, this was in March, uh, this was St. John's Church in Yuhanabad, Yuhanabad. It just so happens that one of our staffers was very close nearby. He hears a massive explosion and he runs to the church. He had his camera with him and he starts taking pictures. As he comes upon the scene with a mother and her living son, she is cradling her dying son who's in her lap. You see his face. His lower extremities are gone and the life from his face is fading quickly. The mother's face is just contorted with shock and grief as she's looking up and crying to heaven. The tears are flowing down. Her living son next to her, the same, but he's left, uh, but he's looking left. Oh my gosh, brutal. It's just like I said, each attack, that was just one death and you see the massive ripple flowing out. And yet that's not even the end of the story because there's also what we see so often are these amazing stories of courage and sacrifice and love. And we find out in this story too, because it turns out that in this series of bombings, the churches knew they were in great danger and yet believers were still getting together and meeting. In St. John's Church, two young men had volunteered to guard the church and they would wait at the gate and try to keep out any suicide bombers. In that church attack, they saw the suicide bomber coming and one of them slammed the iron gate shut and the other one jumped outside and grabbed the suicide bomber and pinned his arms. But the suicide bomber detonated his bomb, killed himself, he killed those two men, he killed 17 people in the church and wounded 70 or 80. But if he had gotten inside, the death toll would have been in the hundreds. Massive, massive death toll. The real martyrs are the two young men, and that's Akash and Sekunder. We spoke with Akash's mother after the attack, and she expressed a couple of things to us. One of them was, of course, the great grief she had at missing him. He was gone. But here was the other. This was the major note of the conversation. It was just immense pride. Because he had sacrificed himself. He was a true martyr. He had sacrificed himself and his act of sacrifice had saved hundreds of people. And she knew that he was standing in heaven at the Lord's throne and wearing a crown of a martyr. In Revelation 6, we see this scene played out. You see it. All the martyrs are standing before God and they are crying out to God. They are crying out for justice. They're saying, how long, O Lord? What's it going to take? The Lord comforts them and he says, it's going to be just a bit longer. Hold on. He gives them a white robe and he gives them a crown and he comforts them. I think that, I think if that was the end of the story, that might be enough. 
because again, he does comfort them and he's saying justice will be served, but it's not the end of the story. See, because the end of the story is this, is that there is a hidden story behind everything you see, behind everything you're living. For thousands of years, the hidden story has a hero and that hero is going to stand up and he's going to stand up at the end. He's going to save the day and he's going to defeat evil and he's going to, uh, oh, this is translated from a, it's translated from audio. It says inaudible and he's going to blank justice. I'm going to say execute justice for all the evil in the world. He's going to swallow up death. Then there's going to be one final thing, and the martyr is going to hear this, and you're going to hear this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come share your master's happiness. Ben. Okay, it's Ben and friends. Ben's friends happen to be Gabriel, James, Zephaniah, Isaiah. Wrong name. Aren't you going to correct me? You're Zephaniah Jude. You're not, you're not Zephaniah Isaiah. Come on, you're supposed to say something. You're not going to talk. You're supposed to say, Dad, that's not my name. What do you mean, why? Say it. You're acting like a weirdo, Just say, Dad, bro. don't do it, or I'm going to elbow you. <laughs> All right, here's something. It's called Talking to Your Kids About the Coronavirus. Hmm. What do you think What do you think Patrick would say about that? Give me a number between 1 and 11. He'd probably just say 11. 11? This is what Patrick would think of this conversation. Aye, aye, Captain. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. <laughs> all right, that's what he would think about it. It says here to first of all welcome your questions. All right. Questions. Considering we've been in lockdown, considering the world has completely been turned upside down because of COVID-19, soon to be COVID-20 and 21 and 22 and variants of all different kinds. COVID, little boys, isn't going anywhere, according to our government and medical authorities. They say that we're going to have to wear a mask potentially forever right patrick yeah. yeah 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 so i welcome your questions does anybody have a question about covid-19 no chinese people are psycho to make it that's my question so that's more of a statement so the virus did originate in a chinese lab and it was released from that lab some way, somehow, we don't know. On purpose or by accident, we don't know. But we do know it originated in the lab. And then, when it started spreading terribly throughout China, 
the Chinese lied that it wasn't that bad, and they allowed their citizens who were infected to get onto airplanes and fly to countries all around the world. And then they spread it around the entire world, but China lied. That's what socialist communist countries do. They're very dishonest and they lie a lot. The Centers for Disease Control, which is supposed to be this super important medical body, they went and looked at the lab, Ben, and you know what they determined within three hours? No. That the virus didn't come from the lab. In three hours. They said, nope, didn't come from the lab, just came from animals somewhere out in the wild. Three hours. And guess who did the inspection? The government of China. Exactly. So, that's where it came from. That's true. Any other questions about it? Are you guys scared of dying from it or getting sick from it? No. I know it's a bad question, but... Children, they're a low possibility of getting the corona. Plus... If we did get the corona, we wouldn't be as bad as old people. I hate uh, wearing masks. Hey, buddy, they won't be able to hear you back there. You have to stand over here. Oh. <laughs> so, young people may get the virus, but they just don't know that they have it. They have a low possibility. If they get it, they might have some very mild symptoms. It has not been shown to affect children the same way as... Not even, even for me, who's much older than you guys, is not at a high risk of catching it, getting really sick from it, or potentially dying from it. So the chances of me getting it, getting sick and dying are very, very low. Normally people that are getting sick and dying from it have other health problems at the same time. So they're not just, they've got all these other health problems and then they get COVID, and then they get, or they get, they contract the coronavirus, then they get COVID-19 disease, and then they die. So, what do you think Patrick has to say to that? Between 1 and 11. Five. All right, Patrick. This is his... SpongeBob, are you going to listen to a big dummy, or are you going to listen to me? <laughs> That's what he says to the Prime Minister. <laughs> SpongeBob. Pretending exactly. Like, instead of saying SpongeBob, he's saying Trudeau. Are you gonna listen to a big dummy, or are you gonna listen to me? That's right. And the big dummy he's listening to is the Chinese government. It is. In are you gonna fact, listen to the big dummy? Trudeau likes listening to the Chinese government. Yes. All right. I it was says. About to say that. Yeah. Well, that's what you did say, isn't it? I guess. Oh. Don't avoid questions you can't answer. Okay, what question can you guys ask me that I can't answer about the coronavirus? Any questions? Mm, no, actually. Anything? I can't really think of anything. Right? Because corona's spreading around and there's not enough hospitals. <laughs> there's not enough hospitals? Yeah, so you want hospitals to duplicate in an over a matter of seconds? <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what are you thinking, buddy? That... Coronavirus is filling up the hospitals? Yeah. Making them too full? Well, that's a good question. The truth of the matter is that there are some hospitals that are, that are struggling to keep up with coronavirus, but the majority of hospitals aren't 
being overrun with patients. They said that there was going to be lots and lots of coronavirus patients in the hospitals, but those numbers never really worked out. So they thought there was going to be a lot of people, but there's much less people. And one of the problems is, is that our hospitals are, even though they are modern, even though they have some good technology and we have good doctors and nurses, even though we have that, our hospitals are not the best that they can be. Our hospitals and doctors can be much, much better. We have something that's called socialized healthcare, socialized medicine, and it doesn't necessarily make the best system. So in Brantford, if you went to that hospital not too long ago, it was, it was, it just, you go inside, the walls are falling apart, people are inside hallways, it's extremely inefficient. They, and so when coronavirus came around, they just decided to, it just seemed to shut everything down. It seemed to make everything worse. But, that's the deal with that. I think this is what Patrick has to say about our hospitals in Canada. What number? Ben, sorry. Seven. Okay, Patrick, what do you have to say? I don't know. This is what he has to say about hospitals in Canada. You mean like a weenie? Okay. May I take your hat? May I take your hat? That's that's what he says to the government. And that's what happens. That's no no, that's when you go to the hospitals, that's what the doctors do. May I take your hat? May I take your hat? It may be infected, but I want to take your hat, sir. Can I take your hat, sir, so I can burn it in the furnace, sir? May I take your hat, sir? May I take no. your No. All right, it says, set the tone. Look at these conversations as an opportunity not just to convey the facts, but set the emotional tone. I don't want you guys to be too worked up. Have you guys lost any sleep over coronavirus? No. no. Does it make you scared? No. Nope. Are you kind of like... Coronavirus. No. I can no. see it everywhere. No. It's gonna get me. When I first heard about the coronavirus, I wasn't scared of it touching me because I'm in my home and I'm not gonna spread the germs. Well, viruses can get into our home. You know, we have had viruses. I know, but not this virus. True. I've had a worse virus than the corona. I yeah, because <laughs> because True. virus could go in our house. All right. It because says be developmental. Be developmentally appropriate. Don't volunteer too much information as this may be overwhelming. Are you guys being overwhelmed with all the information? No. So far? Okay. Uh, let's see what Patrick has to say about that. Why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> all right. That makes more sense than all the other ones we did. It know. does. Patrick just struggles with keeping all that information. Why does this keep happening to me? It says to be reassuring. I think Patrick can be reassuring sometimes. Wow, you guys are good. I'm the last person I would have suspected, but I was looking for me all the time. It's the perfect crime. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was very reassuring. Patrick was the culprit the whole time. Yeah. I don't have any sickness. Come up here where they where we can hear you. I don't have any sickness. Yeah, no sickness. No. So Patrick, if you got the coronavirus, what would you tell SpongeBob to do uh, to keep safe? Burn my friends, but get this thing off me! <laughs> Burn my friends, Gordon. Oh. That would be that would be Patrick's advice to SpongeBob on how to keep safe. Or how to how to prevent himself from getting the coronavirus? Hey, that makes sense. By saying, he's telling him to get the like the germs off him. No, the corona <laughs> stick on him. The corona stick off him. With that's germs right. On. There's an episode where a jellyfishes stun him, and then he could have said. Part of like, pardon my French, but get this thing off me. <laughs> get the stains off me. <laughs> the stains are the germs. Well, if Patrick was the coronavirus and he came into our house, this is what he would say. That's, that's why. The, that's why. Uh, that's why the coronavirus doesn't like this? doesn't he, like it he in looks here. Looks around. Yeah. And then when Patrick takes a look outside look and he sees the sunset, this. do number one. Do number one. I want to see what that one is. That's, what was the question? Uh, when Patrick looks outside and he sees the sunset for the first time. <laughs> Patrick looks outside and sees the sunset for the first time. Oh, hang on. Alrighty, so. That segment was kind of whatever. Uh, we talked to kids about coronavirus a little. And the forest turns sucks. out turns out our kid turns out my kids are a lot smarter than most people out there talking about coronavirus. So thank God for smart kids. That's what dad. That's what my dad always should say. <laughs> it is. My kids are very smart, especially these three boys. They got good heads on their shoulders. And I have the biggest head. <laughs> Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and you know, this is, uh, um, this is, uh, this is you guys, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, looking at big problems and trying to understand them and trying to figure out things like coronavirus in the world, you guys are like, you guys are like, oh yeah, go ahead, line them up. Cause you know why? I'm exhausted. I sure can't wait to drink all these drinks. <laughs> April Fools! <laughs> to me! <laughs> you guys are ready to drink all the drinks of life, aren't you? Yeah. All the things that life brings to you in a drink, you're like, bring it on. I'm ready to drink it. All right. Come here and say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hey, a little bit louder. <laughs> Bye. That's better. Goodbye. Always be ready and fight like a warrior for truth and justice. And be prepared 
to potentially sacrifice your life for the love of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I love you all. Talk to you again soon.